Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister, offering you the how-to to spiritual awakening by addressing on a practical level answers to your deepest questions. David Hoffmeister is a world-renowned teacher of A Course in Miracles and has been traveling the world for the past quarter of a century, offering his wisdom to audiences wherever invited. On this show, you'll hear recordings of David's best live talks, inviting you into an experience of deep wisdom and true clarity. To learn more about David, visit his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Awakening to True Happiness with David Hoffmeister is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. We're here at La Casa de Milagros and doing the first of four Wednesday live streams. And we're so grateful to be just sharing from the heart. And the title of our talk today is The Only Way Out is the Only Way In. And it's from a Cliff Richard song. Uh, basically a song dedicated to Jesus. The only way out of this world and the only way into the kingdom of heaven is you, is your guidance, your instruction, your uh, support. And so that's really what we were feeling when we were talking about the only way out is the only way in. And yeah, from working with Jesus so deeply, we, we really start to realize we have to trust and we have to follow. And then when we tune in to the Holy Spirit, our path becomes very simple. Just listen and follow. Tune into your spirit, your intuition, tune into the Holy Spirit, and then just listen and follow. It's not, it's not like a complex equation. It's not something that is difficult. It's just something that requires your willingness at first and then your dedication and devotion to stay with it throughout, no matter what is going on. And so this, this is just the way that we live our lives and, and we have a sense of gratitude for that. Like, there's a simplicity to it that you, you can't help but feel grateful that it's that simple. And then I think the more you get into listen and follow and the more natural it becomes, then it's, it's, it's as natural as breathing and you don't, you don't have to try to analyze the guidance or, or 
figure it out or whatever. You just tune into it and you feel it and you follow it and then you feel so happy <laughs> just from that. And then that, that happiness lights, lights the way. So to be able to live a life like this, this is really a, a great honor because you start to see the simplicity and everybody just wants to feel loved, connected. They want it to be simple instead of complex. They want it to be straightforward. They want it to be obvious. They don't want it to, to be something that's extremely um, difficult or filled with doubt. And this pathway is, is so good. And I think it also helps to understand that, of course, throughout the centuries, many people have been very frustrated or discontent with the world or uh, they want out. They do want out. Um, I had a friend of mine, Dorothy, uh, for years she kept saying the same thing. She would say, stop the world, I want to get off. There was something inside of her that's just like, this is too crazy, too wacky. Almost like if you're on a merry-go-round. It's like, stop the merry-go-round, stop the ride. I want to get off now. Stop the world, I want to get off. And, and Jesus tells us, you know, there are many people that have just tried to renounce the world, but in words. So they think, if I just renounce it enough, if I just talk it down, if I just say, get out of my face, just go, go away, if I say the words enough, that it will disappear. And he's teaching us that, that we really don't escape this world by renouncing it just verbally. We actually have to value Christ so much so that we welcome Christ to live in our heart. And then as we welcome the Christ to live in our heart, we start to realize that the value of love that God has for us is more important than anything we could value in the world. Because when we value something in the world, it could be a job, it could be a career, it could be a family, it could be a partner, it could be a location or a climate, it doesn't matter what we value in this world, we give value to something that will pass away. That's, we give value to something that's temporary. And then, once we give value to the temporary, suddenly we have expectations about how that thing should be, or how it should be in our life more consistently, things like that. So, we can't really be free of the world through renouncing it in words. We actually have to forgive. We have to forgive. And I think that's the central teaching of Jesus, is forgive and remember your Creator. Forgive the world and remember your Creator. But to do that on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis takes a lot of faith. And there's a lot of resistance that usually comes up when you just say, I would listen, I would follow, show me the way, then there's going to be seemingly resistance and doubt thoughts that, that come up. We were just talking before we came down here about our journeys of, of faith 
And I know for myself, when I really felt the presence of Jesus about 30, 36 years ago, it was such a strong feeling in my heart, and I'd been raised in Christianity, but it, it just started to penetrate into my heart, like it started, I started to really feel an inkling of, I guess, like a calling, like, and I was, I was quite surprised too, you know, it, what a calling, what's a calling? Oh my gosh, what is a calling? I, my parents never talked about a calling. We talked about educations and jobs and family and we didn't really talk about calling at the, at the breakfast table, lunch, dinner. We never talked about what's your calling. But I started to feel something that felt like a calling and I think you felt a calling in your life and you felt a calling in your life. And it wasn't like you know, we saw burning bushes or lakes parted and it's like some huge, huge symbol uh, of a calling. It was more of a, of a little inkling, a little nudge. And along with that sense of a calling, there was, it was kind of surrounded by doubt. It was like a donut. It was like the calling was coming through the middle, but it was, it was there was a solid ring of bread, <laughs> called a donut, a, a doubt around the calling. And so, um, you know, we all had our, our doubts. I know for me, I just considered, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow scripture, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray sincerely, and I'm going to keep praying, and I'm going to keep being open to be shown the way. And then, initially I couldn't really hear an inner voice, so I always get signs and symbols around me, lots of signs and symbols, and they were very important because they were very convincing. If you believe in form, there's nothing better than form symbols to convince you. I know, Joni, I heard when you were coming down, you got to the airport and you still had a little, and then one, two, three, <laughs> strong symbols, and that, that makes all the difference. When, you're, when you have a moment of doubt, to have three symbols it's like, okay, all right, I, I got it. And that's the way it was for me at the beginning. I would get lots of signs and symbols. And then I would get prompts to travel to places I had never traveled to. Ooh, scary. Meet people that I had never met before. Other, you know, not like family members, just meet new people, strangers. Ooh, that's scary. And be open to taking steps beyond what were David's plans for David's life. You know, there's a nice little area called plans for our life that we, most human beings have what we, what we want. Maybe we don't have a lot of specific plans, but somebody told me recently that, that for a lot of women who get married, they have visualized their wedding day for many years, since they were maybe children or teenagers. And I was like, wow, that's fascinating. Oh, visualize the whole day. The color of the dress, the color, the, the people that are there. Maybe they don't know exactly who they're marrying, but they know there's somebody there, and, and there's a ceremony, and it's beautiful, and they'll remember it 
the rest of their life, and that's why they're going to have lots of photographs of it to make a big album of it, to make sure that they never forget any detail of that day. And, and in one sense, when we open our hearts to Jesus and we just say, use me, I want you, I want to devote my life to you, you are leading me, you are guiding me, you know the way home, so you lead and I will follow. Oftentimes we don't, we don't have a specific form that we can associate with that. It's so intimate, but it's not like we can start to say this form or that form. Some people have a form with their calling. Like we just watched that uh, brief uh, mini-movie on of the Benedictine nuns up in St. Mary's Abbey. And many of them, after many visits, to the Abbey, or maybe a long visit to the Abbey, they would make a decision to stay. But for most people, we don't have that sense of it, our spiritual journey visualized and mapped out. So we just take the paper out and go, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do next. But what we do feel is, we do feel open enough to say, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me in any way that you can. Show me with signs and symbols. Show me with feelings. Show me with synchronicities. Show me with anything that is a confirmation or a verification that I'm on the right way. So I know I was just talking to Francis a little bit earlier, and that you had a couple, maybe you had a, a, a sign and then a confirmation maybe you could share with everybody because that's like the turning point when you're really looking at okay what is my calling and what how is this going to go that's that was important for you because you wouldn't have taken the next step without that the sign and the confirmation yeah i mean i was um in a retreat in a long retreat with david in australia and I, my mind at the time was just filled with doubt thoughts and fear. And so I asked for a one-on-one -on -one with David during the retreat. And I just asked a lot of very specific questions. What about this? What about this? What about I perceive this? What's happening? And David was answering my question. But at the same time, I heard a voice Um auditory voice telling me that you can trust, you can trust him, he's a living representation of me, just trust. And, and it was kind of very um, surprising experience because I thought David said that, but then I look at him, he was still answering my question and he didn't break answering my question, but this voice, it was like, where is it coming from? So I started to just look around, but but it answered a deeper, way deeper question that I had, which is how I can really go about this journey. Can I really trust someone that's been sent to right in my face? And then that's after the retreat, um, David and Jason and all the other um, community messengers came to my house. I hosted them and then went to a supermarket with Jason and I just said, you know, I know that I have 
I just really want to know whether all that I had to do was to trust, trust David, trust you, trust this this journey. If that is all I can do, you know, all I have to do, then I know I can do this. And he said, "Yes, that's a confirmation to me." So that was really the, you know, something solid. I felt I could hear, I could grasp onto, at the very beginning of my journey, and then it's just roll from there, one step at a time. Really, there's a workbook lesson that just it's coming from Jesus saying, I trust my brothers who are one with me. And I, I know that's like a key point in any spiritual tradition, but in in Christianity, of course, that's a key. I trust my brothers who are one with me, and then the analytical part of the mind will try to break that apart. Like, what does that mean? Uh, but, but ultimately, we will need a lot of signs and symbols, and we will admit that in order for our trust to grow and develop, in order for our faith to expand, we will admit that we are going to need lots of miracles, lots of expansion of our faith, lots of our development of trust in order to go toward the Christ, because we need to be convinced. So it's good to think of it as that you're just a willing participant with Christ, willing to be convinced by Christ, by the Holy Spirit. And that, you can keep it that simple. But for many, you know, they basically live by a philosophy in terms of being a human being in this world that, that seeing is believing. And I know Wayne Dyer flipped that around and wrote a book. Uh, instead of, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, uh, basically Wayne flipped it around and said, no, you'll see it when you believe it. So Wayne really had his alignment there. He knew that you won't perceive the witnesses for anything unless you have the faith, unless it's in your beliefs and your thoughts. Everything in the world is a witness to our mind. And the old adage is, you know, well, yeah, I heard so-and-so's gonna, you know, do this or that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And no, I'll, I'll actually see it when I believe it. And so it's a convincing. And I was talking with Lisa because there was a time in my little peace house where you, you had your own company. She was the CEO of a nursing staffing company up in Mount Joy, uh, Pennsylvania. How's that for the town? Mount Joy. Spirits like Jesus is thrown in symbols. You work in Mount Joy? Okay, so, so she took, it was a pretty big trip though to come down from Pennsylvania and visit me and Kathy was there and, and you and I and and maybe you can tell a little bit about how you were at the place where you were beginning to open up but you were far from uh, in, in a deep miracle a miracle worker or deep trust she was just a CEO dismantling from the world little by little because that was a big advance too you'd you'd gone through a lot of things just to start to feel worthy enough 
uh, and about yourself. Right. So that kind of came in to build the trust, and then maybe you can share about that trip. <laughs> that was we were just recalling that this morning. Yeah, well, I I never even left Pennsylvania. It was something huge for me to head to the Peace House and. Um, following, you know, just my heart, following this calling that I felt pulled to, you know, follow God, trust God. And it was, yeah, I'm going to back up a little bit because I used to go into, I had a God room in my house and I used to pray and uh, pray and commune with God for many, many hours. For, I mean, sometimes eight hours at a time, just really just resting and feeling God's love and and then all of a sudden I started hearing this message and it was when I had my company and uh, really developing my trust in listening to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I heard and it would get louder and louder every time I would go into this communion. It would say, go to the center, go to the center, go to the center. And I'd be like, what does that mean? And I still was seeing everything in duality, and I thought, what does it mean? So I, it just would, every time I would pray, go to the center, go to the center. So I actually had uh, five women in the staff in my company that were in the office, and I went in and I said, listen, I keep hearing I'm supposed to go to the center. I'm supposed to go to the center, and you guys need to find out where the center is for me. And I said, let's look. At where the center of, you know, the world is. I'm supposed to go. Where's the center of America? Where's the center? Find me all the spots of the center, like globally, is what I said. And they all thought I was nuts. They were all like, what the heck are you, you know? And I said, I can't help it. I need to know where it is. And, you know, I didn't really have the support. They were all just like, Lisa, this is, you know, this is pretty radical. This seems pretty crazy. So, but I had this map and it had these stars where all the center was in the different parts of the world. And, you know, I didn't really have the support. So I just tucked it into my office, my desk, and just forgot about it. And so that's when David invited me to come to the Peace House, which was totally out of my comfort zone. I was totally being stretched. And it was a long time ago. There was no one really there. And he's talking these totally wild ideas. And I'm thinking, I need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm, I'm heading out. It was some of the movies that I showed you. Oh, right. The she very was like, who invites a guest to your house? and shows them these movies, but these were all movies that impacted me for spiritual awakening that are, you know, that I have in my collection now. But at the time, remember some of the names? Listen, the very first movie he saw, he showed me was Dark City. Oh my God. <laughs> and, I'm, and I had, I had I'd done this thing where I shut off the TV, I shut off the world, really. I was in my own little world doing my own little thing, and Dark City was the first one, and I'm sitting there like, totally, you know, trying to keep it together, too, but... I was giving the higher interpretation. Right. <laughs> but she was still... <laughs> like, really feeling like my world was being dismantled, and that there was no feeling 
also that I was actually trusting God that I was supposed to be there. I feel like, you know, felt this call to go there. My heart, I felt even, you know, with all my study, it was more about just really developing this faith in God and trusting, you know, that he has a perfect plan for my life. And so anyhow, I was uh, outside, I, I was contemplating how I was going to get out of there. So I was sitting on the back porch and I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. There's no way, you know, this is pretty radical. You know, you were I'm, sitting with Kathy and you were having some cigarettes. Yeah, I was smoking. A, I was smoking like chain smoking out there going, God, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and then it was a miracle because David comes up. Well, was it, I didn't feel like it was a miracle at the time, but David comes out and he says, hey, look. And he doesn't know anything about anything about me, really. And he said, hey... You know about this go to the center thing. And, and he shows, and he, he hands me this map, these maps. And he said, look, I just sold these two houses on eBay. And he said, they're for sale. And look, one of them's in the middle of North America. And one of them's right in the center of uh, United the United States. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> just, I was looking for hermitages for quiet <laughs> contemplation, but as I was on eBay, you can't really buy real estate on eBay, but you know, you can. You did. I, but you can bid. And so <laughs> the funny thing was, I happened to look, and it was only after I had put a bid in two houses that I noticed the location of the houses. They said, oh, by the way, this house is in the geodesic the exact, very exact center of the United States. And I thought, that's pretty strange. The exact center of the United States. I think I bid like... 5,000. I think for the, the one that was like, I don't know, 600 and something or 1,200 and something, and then the other one was a little bit, was more. It 5,000, something like that. And then I looked at the other house that I bid on and they said, this this house is in the geodesic center of North America, like Canada and and United States and and Mexico, North America. This was like in the very geodesic center, and I happened to notice it. So I just went down. Kathy was sitting on the step. You were out smoking. I didn't know what was going on in your mind. I was just like, look, I put in... I put in a bid for a hermitage to buy a little hermitage house, one in the center. And look, one's in the center of the United States and one's in the center of North America. And then, that was your... I freaked out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anything about this go to the center part. Of course, we know this is all symbols because when the Spirit tells you to go to the center, you can only imagine intuitively what that really means. <laughs> go to the center of your heart. Go to the... Go to the core of your mind. But these are all just symbols. We're just saying, because I didn't know anything she was going through. He had no idea that anything about this. And when he showed me the map, I was in total shock. And it was like, oh my word, that God is really calling me out of this world and calling me. And uh, so David actually won the bids for eBay for, to purchase these houses and uh, it, he said, okay. Very low bids. <laughs> I mean, it, like the most radical thing. And he's like, we're going to go. Oh, my word, we're going to go. And it was like totally blowing up my plan, my thoughts, my ideas. 
of what I thought my path was going to look like. And it was just, yeah, just was the beginning of me really stepping completely out of my comfort zone and really putting all my faith in God, you know, that it wasn't my plan. But it was this adventure that uh, I went on with you and Kathy, and it was almost like I went into kind of an exorcism because they were so loving to me in the car. They would they would be like singing, you know, and this is not like a, a couple hour trip. This was like three, four days across the country to, uh, so we were in this little car going across the country and uh, all the whole time they were saying, oh, we love you so much, Lisa. I'm like, oh, my God. you know, just, and I was really just wearing kind of a mask trying to keep it together. But all along I was having just all this fear and all this doubt and all this not understanding really what was happening. You have to understand the context, too, because like Lisa said, she had pretty much lived in the same area of Pennsylvania most of her life. And she didn't travel and she didn't have a lot of friends and she wasn't a world traveler. She wasn't a country traveler. She was a very local. She lived in Amish country. Did anybody hear of the Amish? She's, she was way out there. Mount Joy, company in Mount Joy and living in, with the Amish uh, who were very simple people, worshipers of, of Jesus. And so for me and for Kathy at the time, we were used to taking trips and going wherever we were invited to churches and bookstores and basements and backyards and barbecues and anything and going on long trips of meeting hundreds and hundreds of people devoted to Jesus and and sharing the light of Jesus with with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So that was just our natural life. And then you were taking time out from your CEO position, from your, you know, as a nursing staffing company to take a big leap to even come. And then the symbols of go to the center I didn't think, I mean, I just put some low bids on there on eBay, but I didn't think I would win. Uh, and I was the high bidder. And so off we went to Kansas across uh, I-74 and then I-70, but that's the context for it. So there were so many miracles, which I had been quite used to. Kathy and I were having so many miracles of things, but for you, it was good because it was kind of slowly looking, washing away self-doubt. Mm -hmm. Doubt around smoking cigarettes mm -hmm. or doubt around meeting new people. Mm -hmm. That was like a whole bunch of new people too. That was, you were used to your family and and basically your, your, your business, mm -hmm. your nurses. Mm -hmm. So this was like going from a tiny little doubt of people to like opening up very, very fast. And that's, I think was part of it because there was a lot of unworthiness that was under there too that was kind of getting flushed up. But we had miracles around that too, I think in St. Louis. Right, and, and just like it was my dream, really when I would pray, my my happy dream was that I wanted to go share the good news around the whole world. I felt that it was my life calling when I when I when I was reading just all this 
you know, and experiencing just all this forgiveness. And I thought, this is all that I want to talk about. This is all that I want to do. And, and then you showing up doing exactly what my heart calling was, was like, oh, I even said that to you the very first time I met you. I said, oh my God. I said, this is exactly what I want to do. I said, you're doing exactly what I want to do. And, and it was within five minutes of me meeting him. And he said, come on, let's go. I'm like, oh my God, hold up. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> that's exactly the what invitation you invitation. I know came you're out like, come warm. on, let's go. I'm like, hold up. I have a life, you know? And uh but yeah, just even the trip for me, it was just like all this love and all this experience of just uh talking about God, talking. I oh I couldn't believe it was like I would there was no compromise and that flushing up so much unworthiness, so so much shame, and so much just this whole identity that I had back in the past, but that I was just sitting talking about God. But also your love, that was so beautiful because uh, Kathy, she was someone in the early years, and she was just this joy girl, and like she was a symbol that, that you know, I needed in the beginning because she was like so happy and you guys would they'd be singing in the car and I'd be driving in the back and and it would get so intense at times I couldn't take it because I was like trapped in the car for days and all this love that you guys I mean and then you were that Oman and Shanti song we played over and over and over again and and then uh at one point uh I really felt I didn't know what was happening but it was kind of like an exorcism in a bit but like a purification was happening where I started to get really ill in the back of the car. And I was like, oh my word, you know, because I, I was really trying to stuff everything and trying to keep up with you guys and trying to, uh, you know, okay, you know, go along with things. And then all of a sudden I became very sick in the back of the car. And then you even said, you were so loving, really. Because I had all this fear coming up and all this doubt and all this unworthiness. And almost like I felt like I was being exposed to God or something exposed, you know, at such an intimate level that I had never, you know, been around others, like in that vulnerability. I felt very vulnerable. And then you said, well, why don't we just put pillows all around you? And he put, we, so I was in the back of the car and you guys put all these pillows all around me. It's like a genie bottle with lots of pillows so she could be <laughs> So I could like soft. even hide, you know, like I could just be back there and I didn't have to, uh, there was so much love, yes. really. I know that that's what it was. It was like this fear of love and this fear of just being so intimate. But it ended up being, well, we had so many holy, it was a miracle. It was like this freedom because we went and, uh, so we took this journey across the country, which I thought was totally bizarre and radical. We bought these houses on eBay and that we were buying these houses and they were like shacks in the middle of nowhere. But all along, I you, mean, literally, you should you see me. the first one. We, I think we bought for six hundred dollars. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> first, they didn't even believe me. Like, no, I said, "Here's it. It's on. I bid. I won." You know, but I just followed my prompts because for me, it wasn't unusual when things started to happen and come that were kind of out of pattern experiences 
Because for me, I was just trusting that everything was to expand my faith. Mm. Everything was to expand my trust. So I wasn't judging things by the world. And when things would just seem to come to me, which had happened a lot, then I just thought, oh, this is, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Wow, this is really going to be an expansive thing. Like, I wasn't so concerned about buying the houses. I just knew to go from Cincinnati out to the middle of Kansas, I thought, think of all the brothers and sisters I will meet, all the joy. Think of all the places I'll get to shine my light. You know, it wasn't about when we got there, you know, even if they'd said, well, you, you can't, you know, we don't have, eBay is not a legally binding place to buy. You have to have realtors and, you know, you have to have a closing. And I, even if they'd said it, it's not there, I would have been, what a trip we had though, right? You know, I'm always like into the joy of connecting and meeting people and sharing the joy and sharing whatever the spirit wants to bring. So for me, it was, I was so used to that. I mean, I started doing that, I think, already. I took took some trips around 1989 and then another one in 90. And then in 1991, I was taking off for weeks at a time, five and a half weeks, six weeks on these kind of trips. So for me, I was kind of in the middle of all these miraculous experiences where Jesus was going before me and I was just going to follow and meet beloveds everywhere I went. And I was all over the United States. So I think we're talking like, was it early 2000s? Mm -hmm. So this is like a decade later after I've been swallowed up in the miracle. I've just, I've already, I'm like Jonah in the whale. I've, I'm in the whale. <laughs> I'm, I'm really in the belly of the whale of, of miracles. And this is like a decade later where through a lot of miracles we came together and then you coming down, that was a big step though, to, to come down. And the other thing was that, you know, when I first began, I kept hearing Jesus telling me, just listen to what I, my directions are, just follow me. And, and even humorously, Jesus saying, I'll, I'm going to knock your socks off. And look, it's still, this is many years, this is 33 decades later, and they're still knocked off. So... But this was, that was the feeling I was having, like, oh my gosh, this is how it is to live in, in Jesus, guided by Jesus, where everything is handled, taken care of, people invite you to their houses. You know, they, I, th I think most of the times people think of a church, they think of like a, a building with a, with a steeple and everything. But there are literally lots of what in Christianity is called house churches. And in my case, I just met people that were devoted to Jesus and would invite me into their house. More so than churches or anything else. I've, I've been in more houses than I have been in, in churches, actually. But they were like little devoted houses that were dedicated to Jesus and living the teachings of Jesus. So they were like little house churches. That's what they call it in Christianity, house churches where they meet and go through scripture and so on and so forth. So I was a whole decade into this and, and then when you came into it, it was just, there was a fear of love. There was, you know, in a, in a truest way, it, there's an intimacy and a connection of being in this, saturated in this miracle. And one of the things of unworthiness that you brought up when we were traveling was 
this idea of going and meeting all these brothers and sisters and the, the cigarettes. You, you were like, I, I smoke. I'm, I don't just smoke a little bit. I smoke a lot, and when I'm afraid, I chain smoke. I chain smoke. Are you, are you okay with that? And I said, yeah. I said, I actually said, let's just give the cigarettes to Jesus. That's what I said. See what Jesus will do with the cigarettes. Well, the whole trip, uh, Lisa was brought together with cigarette smokers. And she was almost astonished. She could not believe there was that many cigarette smokers. We went to a friend of mine who had a, a very large house, a mansion in um, St. Louis. And we're in this big central room, which holds a lot of people because it's such a huge mansion. And then we would be in there and then when we would take a break, Lisa would go out to light up. She would go look for the bit nearest door, which she would do in her daily life, look for the door, and she would, go, she would go out the door by herself, and she would go light up. And guess what? People, other smokers, would come and follow Lisa out there, and they're all out there smoking, talking about like God. A crowd out there. <laughs> yeah, smoking and talking about God. Remember what I said, let's give the cigarettes to Jesus. There they were. She, that was kind of a neat experience for you, because you were like, I can't believe it. There's smokers. We're meeting smokers, and they're and I'm still. We're talking about God, and we're still smoking. So for you, that it was, seemed like everywhere we went, yeah. there was like a, a group of them that would just kind of navigate to me and start lighting up, and so it was just this opportunity for me just to see that you know how Jesus was using it all, and that you know, and even how they were so grateful that I smoked. They were like, thank God you smoke, because this is intense. <laughs> they, they were going through their own guilt and unworthiness. Like, oh, thank you. This is great. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> Even when we got out to Kansas, we're like, who actually owns the house and everything? And it was a husband and a wife. And so we went to meet them, because we couldn't even get into the house. It, that we paid several hundred dollars for, six hundred dollars or whatever it was, and and sure enough, the wife I think wasn't it the wife of the the guy lights up, <laughs> even even out in the middle of the center of the United States, there it was still going on. The wife was lighting up like, you pulled out your cigarette. She was comfortable pulling out her cigarette, and you see the the cigarettes are just backdrop or symbols. They're just backdrop like a props on a stage that that the spirit Jesus can use to to help you connect based on what you believe at the time mm -hmm. and now that's that's water under the bridge and many years later but that's how it goes i think that's the the joy of starting to realize that that when you commit your life to Jesus you pray and you are guided and Jesus is so loving that He will meet you right where you believe you are, with what you believe is important in this world and what you believe you value. That's the love, the unconditional love. It wouldn't be able to reach your awareness if it was over your, if you couldn't relate to it. You see, it's got the guidance always has to be something that you can relate to, and that's the way that it's continued on. You know, even even now, even here. At La Casa de Milagros, you might say that every day is an experience to let the Spirit 
reach you with where you believe you are right now and also to expand your faith, expand your trust in, in ways that you don't even know. You don't even know the, the how, but you do know that it's, it's inevitable because that's, that's your goal, that's your purpose. Yeah, and I think it's also too, even here at La Casa, that's what's like you're uh, being, being, going into an experience more of being done through with the spirit, finding out the purpose. Like that's what on that trip for me really was more than anything was that I was getting to, to talk about God and nothing else. Like it was almost like in my company, I had to talk about finances. I had to talk about nurses. I had to talk about all these other things, but it was like, almost like I was given this, uh, beautiful trip of that. That's all that I got to talk about that. I was being used solely just to be used, you know, as a vehicle for God and using my mouth in that way that I, it was an interesting experience because I never, you know, it was always, you know, a compromise. I didn't even know it. It was such a contrast experience. Uh, you know, that experience where I could just talk about God talk about God, talk about God. And then I went home. It's like, okay. And then go back to my company and they're like talking about financials. And it's like, you know, my mouth started like, what are we doing? You know, I want to talk about God. You know, I had this experience of so much joy talking about forgiveness and talking about the parables that it was an experience. I thought, oh my word, you know, that I could live the rest of my life just talking about God. That's what I want to do. And so there was even an experience when I went back, uh, there was supposed to be a quarterly, I used to do these quarterly uh, meetings and I had 150 nurses that worked for me. And um, they, uh, they said, we have this quarterly meeting, you know, they had prepared everything and they're like, we got to have this big meeting for all these nurses. And I was always the one that held the the big meeting. And I'm like, Oh my word. And so I, I went ahead and I did it. I went, I got up there and all these, all these nurses were there. And there was actually a church across the street where we used to have the meeting. And I, I could see this church steeple in my office window. And I used to pray with it all the time. Just pray to Jesus, show me, show me, show me, you know, what's the next thing for me to do. But so we had these meetings over there, and um, yeah, and I got up in front of everyone, and there's all these nurses, and they brought their children. I would let them bring their children, and the children were on one side of this like auditorium in this church. And so I get up, and I, I stand up there, and uh, I look at this I, it looked like Braille. I couldn't even, I, I looked down at the paper and I looked up at the nurses and I actually went into some kind of like, like my mouth would not move. And I, and, and I was frozen in front of all of my staff and uh, I was frozen up there and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. And so I call my nurse manager uh, she was sitting in the audience. I said, Heather, you're going to have to come up here. I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to step out of this. And I was so humiliated, like just like, oh, my word, what was happening? I felt like 
you know, I was falling apart right in front of everybody. And so I went back to the back of this auditorium. I'm sitting there and I'm like, Jesus, what in the world is happening? I have no idea what's happening. Like I, I couldn't speak. That's what happened. I couldn't speak what this paper, you know, for these nursing regulations and all that stuff. And then I heard, and I'm like, Jesus, what is going on? My heart's pounding. And he said, gather the children and go into the church. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there, and I mean, I'm literally frozen. And I heard, gather the children and go into the church. And I thought, I am not walking over there and gather, because these children are right in the back. And I thought, there is no way that I am going to do that. And then I'm, and I'm pounding, and I said, gather the children and go into the church. And so I'm like, oh, my God. And so I stand up, and I walk over to these children, and I said, come on. I said, because the church, it, this, like, conference room was attached to the church. And I, so I said, come on. I said, I walked over. I said, come on, we're going to go into the church, because they were there playing. And these children didn't even question. And the meeting was going on. Like everything was running fine. And I go over with these children and we walk in. It's this old little chapel. And I walk in and these little children, they just, all of them just sat in the pews, like so obedient, like they had no question. And I thought, oh my God. And I went up to the top of the church there and I went, the pulpit. <laughs> I went up to, so I thought, okay. So I'm here with these children and all of a sudden I said, I thought, oh my God. And I said, I want to sing about the joy. Let's sing about the joy. And they're like, yes. And I go, I start singing, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And they all started singing with me. And these children, it was so mystical because I felt like they were my audience. And that's who I wanted to talk to. And I and and I thought this is I want to talk about God and I want to sing and I want to be in the joy and I don't want to compromise. And and I like I thought I'm just gonna I don't even know what's happening, God, but I'm just gonna trust this. I'm just gonna trust. And it was so funny because the meeting uh, ended and and all the nurses were coming walking through this church and they didn't even question anything. They they were like, "Come on, Johnny, let's go." Thank you, you know. They would be like, "Thank you," and every one of them just walked out with their children. And I thought, "Oh my God." You know, that's all that I want to do. I never want to talk about anything. I don't ever want to use my mouth for anything but just to sing the praises of God. And um, yeah, and it was so beautiful because my my uh, nursing people, the ones in my office that came out, they were Lisa, what's going on? I said, I'm going to tell you, I'm never talking about this ever again. I'll never do another staff meeting ever again. I said, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing anymore. I'm supposed, and uh, I remember this Deb girl, she goes, don't do that. Oh my God, it's going to be the end of the company. You know, what, what are you, I said, I just can't do it anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. 
And I didn't ever actually do it anymore. I thought, you know what? I'm going to trust God that this joy in my heart and that this experience of, of believing and having faith and that his, he does want me to be happy and that I don't have to compromise. And it was willing to let it all go. And I, I said, I'll never do it again. And, you know, I was scared. I was scared. It's like we're walking through this you know, prison of our mind and trusting God with all of our heart that his, he, his will is for us to be happy. It's not, it's not some good idea. It's, it's a living experience that we can experience his freedom, that we, we finally become in alignment with God. That's what it's about. I'm in alignment with God. I've, I've, I'm living my life in union with God, in communion, in community and that 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 uh that it's worth everything to believe that i i feel so grateful for my i'm gonna start crying i, I feel so grateful for my life that i did trust god enough to walk through those um those you know the feelings that are so uncomfortable of shame and doubt and unworthiness and to you know, really have the relationship with the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to hand it to you. I'm going to trust this instead. And I don't know where this is leading. And I can say that it's led me into the most miraculous life, you know, and it, you know, and it's a narrow path. It's a very narrow path, but it is worthy to trust God with all of our heart because he will remove all of it and that he wants us to be happy. And then it's like, finally you become in alignment. And now it's like, okay, this is what God's life was for me. It was never my plan. I would, could have never planned this ever in my, 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 my plans are so meek to compare to God's plan. He is a glorious plan for our life and it's a life of abundance and it's not in form. It's, it's about an abundant state of mind that is continual and keeps deepening. Even today, as we're opening up into these lives, these new, he's always got something new and fresh. It's a, it's a new beginning every day. And, and it is, it's going to expand you into these areas of your mind that you don't even know that are possible. And I'm so grateful. Uh, I'm so grateful uh, to put all of my faith in God. You were going to say something, Francis? I was just saying, you know, just even a little bit of like a contrast experience that, that you had with David there, there, we didn't, we didn't even need to, to be ready for God, but God is ready for us. And through our companions, he sent the person to our lives. And then all that we need to do is to say yes. And then we get taken on this ride. And then just even that made you realize that everything else is a compromise. Mm -hmm. That's why this, this journey with Jesus is no compromise of any kind because anything else not knowing God, not knowing our secure place in the heart of God is compromise. Mm. So we are, when we are like here being busy and pursuing little this and little that, is actually we're living such a compromise, mm. not even knowing mm. our real calling is none of this. And it really doesn't matter what our backgrounds are because Truly, I can say it 
from my the bottom of my, of my heart that all everybody everyone's is the Holy Spirit. Mm. This whole world is calling for the Holy Spirit to be to be the voice for God for all of them, mm. to be able to re remember our identity in God, and everything else is is a compromise. So it's like you can't even go back because the contrast experience is so, so obvious. And, you know, even Jesus says this whole world should only has the purpose of awakening for the Son of God or healing the Son of God. And any other purpose you give to this world would imprison you to pain and death. And then I was just listening to the parables when, when David was saying, oh, I'm just buying a house because I was told, or I'm just thinking of the brothers and the joy of meeting the brothers. There's like no other purpose that's given to any activity of every single day of our life. And when that is unified, then your experience becomes unified because this experience is constantly to look for if you desire only love, you would find nothing else. You you only want the healing of the Son of God. You only want forgiveness and you only want the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit guides loud and clear, you know, truly through our companions. Through, I feel like just even listening to these parables, like, oh my God. Yeah, that's how we all started to unwind from from these false beliefs, not of our own um, effort, not our own knowledge, pre-study, none of it. It's just the spirit orchestrating it. Thank you for listening to this edition of Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister. You can access more of David's teachings by visiting his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Tune in to David again next week on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 radio network.